2 Corinthians 9, 7. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Luke 6, 38 says, Give and you, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Luke chapter 12, verse 33 says this, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where the thief, where, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Brothers and sisters, this morning we're going to talk about the topic of generosity is our privilege. Generosity is our privilege. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you again for these moments that we share. Thank you again, Lord, because we're part of this church. Thank you, God, because you have blessed us in so, so many ways. I pray, God, that our hearts will be open to hear not what comes out of my mouth, but what comes out of your word. I pray that our hearts will be open to not just hear your voice, but to be willing and able to make the changes that you've asked us to make. We love you so much and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So, so we've been talking about 2021 and we've been talking about 2021 being the year of faith. That's why we're, we're calling this whole series, we're calling it Vision 2021. And the reason why, why we're talking about next year being uh, the year of faith is because I don't know about you, but next year, like I always need faith, but next year I especially need faith because I don't know about you, but nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, nobody ever knows what's going to happen, but especially 2021. We don't know what's going to happen with a pandemic. We don't know what's going to happen socially. We don't know what's going to happen politically. We don't know what's going to happen in our families. So I don't know about you, but 2021, I need faith. And so here's what I'm doing. And here's what I'm inviting everyone to do is that we will believe that next year we're going to have more salvations than we've ever had that we're going to have more hope than we've ever had, that we're going to see in this church more healings than we've, ever see, than we've ever seen, that we're going to see more baptisms. And now I want to make sure that you understand, we can't make God do anything. God's going to do what he's going to do because God is sovereign. But there's an element of faith that we see over and over and over in scriptures, especially in the New Testament, to where Jesus attributes his work directly to the faith of the person. Your faith has healed you because of your faith. He could not do many miracles because of their lack of faith, etc., etc., etc. And so I'm not going to tell God what to do because I can't do that and nobody can do that, but I'm going to do the one thing that I can do, which is place my complete faith in the fact that 2021 is going to be the best year ever. Amen. Sound good? Yeah. How does that sound, Francis? Best year ever? Best year ever. Best year ever, right? All right, let's go. So we've been talking about our core values, the seven things in our church that move us forward. And we've been talking about in this series, Jesus is our pursuit. Hope is our flag. People are our passion. Worship is our spirit. Service is our heartbeat. Generosity is our privilege. And excellence is our standard. And so last week, we talked about service being our heartbeat. So we're going through the core values of our church. And today... We're going to talk about generosity is our privilege. Have you ever been in a room and you say something and it just kind of sucks the air out of the room? Like you say something, you're like, man, if you could just grab that word or that phrase and just put it back in your mouth, you would do it. 
Sometimes it happens when you're talking about politics. Sometimes it, talk, it happens when you're talking about religion. And you say these things, and you're like, man, the energy in the room just completely shifted. So as a pastor, this happens sometimes. So you're going to preach something, and you're preparing what you're going to say, and then you'll, you'll preach something, and all of a sudden, like, all the air gets sucked out. And like, wait a minute, I feel like I said something that I shouldn't have said. So I was thinking about this this week, and I was realizing that there's a similarity between being a preacher and being a comedian. Now, I know it's not really similar, but in a way it is. Because how many jobs do you know out there where you have to stand in front of a crowd with a microphone and share new material every time that you're in front of a crowd? In fact, comedians, they have this, I don't know if you know this or not, but comedians, they have these routines that they prepare. And sometimes it takes them about a year, a year and a half to get their material ready. And so what they do is they go to these different comedy clubs and they're telling a joke. And if that joke works, they keep it. And then if the joke doesn't work, they take it out. And so they're working on their material. And the goal at the end of the year or year and a half is that they will have one hour of material that they can do and then have a comedy special, whatever it is that they're doing. And so what they do is every, every day during the week, they'll go to different comedy clubs and they'll, they'll do this. And so when I think about that, I think about, the fact that as a pastor, sometimes you're kind of like a comedian in the sense that you're always saying things and you're trying to prepare material and trying to connect with the audience. But there's some things that you preach on. I've been preaching for a while now that you'll preach on. And it's like two things in the 10 years that I've been preaching. One is sexual purity. Whenever you talk about sexual purity, all of a sudden people get nervous. Like they don't want to react. You know, and the other one is what I'm going to talk about today. Today I'm going to talk about tithing. Yeah. You feel that? Oh, yeah. oh, there it is. See, I knew it. It happens because when you, pe- when you, when you preach on topics like, like grace, love, hope, and mercy, people are excited about it. Yes, it's great. But the thing about tithing and the thing about offering and the thing about financial giving, it's a hard one because it's hard to connect. And one of the things that I've noticed as I was growing up, because I'm fifth generation of pastors, I grew up in the church, um, is that that topic never made me nervous. I've never been nervous about preaching on tithing, and I've never been nervous about hearing someone else preaching on tithing. And so the reason for that, I think, is this. If you're preaching on praying or you're listening to a sermon about prayer and you pray, you're like, amen, preach it, pastor. If the, if the pastor's preaching on forgiveness and you're a person that forgives, you're like, amen, preach it, pastor. You're excited about that. If you're preaching on prayer or any other topic and you're like, yeah, that's something that you do, you're excited about that and you want the preacher to keep preaching on it. But if you're having an affair or if you're looking at porn and the pastor's preaching on sexual purity, You get nervous, right? And so here's the thing. I've never preached in the a little over a year that I've been preaching at this church. I've never done a whole sermon on tithing. And so I don't know what the reaction is going to be here. So I want us to walk into this and I want us to feel the awkwardness together. Sound good? Sound great. I love it. I love it. So, so let's, let's just get started. What is a tithe? What is a tithe? And why do we talk about a tithe? Well, a tithe is 10% of what you receive. 10%. Like if you have $100, uh, a tithe is $10. If it's $1,000, it's $100. And this is a spiritual discipline, just like prayer, just like scripture reading, just like gathering, all these things. And you see tithing in the Old Testament. You see it 
uh, in the New Testament, you see it through the early church, and you see it through our present period of time. And the idea of the tithe is that when you give this to God, what you're saying is basically everything that I have, I've received from you, and 10% is a representation of the whole. So you're saying, I'm giving it back to the source. I'm giving back to God what he has given to me because I know where it comes from. So it's an act of faith. In the Old Testament, there was different ways that people gave. They gave the tithe, they gave the first fruits, and then the free will offering. Some scholars say that this is about 17% of the household income is what they would give. And so maybe you're listening to this and you're saying, so pastor, what you're saying is that, the, the, that tithing is from the Old Testament, right? So tithing, you see, you see tithing in the Old Testament. But then you may say, well, 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 Jesus died and rose again. And as a result of him dying and rising again, he made the Old Testament, meaning the law, he made that obsolete. In fact, you may say, I have read the scripture where Jesus says, clearly, I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. Remember, that, remember that, that part of the scripture? I have come to abolish the law and the prophets, right? You know, I, no, right? Somebody goes, no, that doesn't say that. You know, what's interesting is that I, I was thinking about doing a message one day on things that Jesus never said. I think it would be interesting because he literally says the opposite. Matthew 5, 17 says this, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So what is the difference between abolishing and fulfilling? Well, abolishing means destroying. Abolishing means putting to an end. Abolishing means making it disappear. Jesus did not come to do that. In fact, when it comes to the tithe, Jesus makes it very clear that it is a practice that we should continue doing through the Old Testament into the New Testament into our present period of time. Matthew 23 23 says this, Jesus talking to a Pharisee. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He says, You should have practiced the latter, meaning justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting the former, meaning the tithe. So Jesus is saying here, clearly do not neglect the tithe. Because he didn't come to abolish the law. Which means that in the same way that we should continue to forgive, we should continue to pray, we should continue to read the Bible, we should continue to be kind, we should continue to not kill, we should continue tithing. Because he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Which means that we are to continue tithing. But, what does it mean, fulfillment? But, the tithing is no longer a matter of salvation. You're not going to hell if you don't tithe. This is not why we give. In fact, we're told in the New Testament to be happy givers. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we don't give to be saved. We don't give to compensate for our sin. We don't give to get right with God. We give what we have decided in our heart. And the result of that is that there is a joy in giving. That's why generosity is a privilege and not an obligation. 
You may say, I like that pastor. I like the fact that it's not an obligation. That gets me excited because I'm a New Testament person. We are no longer bound to the 10% or up to the 17%. We are free because Jesus died for our sins and we no longer have to give like they gave in the Old Testament because we're free to give however we want. And I want to pause there because here's, the, here's an assumption that I want to break that applies to everything. There's an assumption that I want to break. Here's the myth. The myth is that the result of, be, of being part of a better covenant is that we do less. Let me say that again. There's an assumption that as a result of not being bound by the law is that we now do less. But if you look at the New Testament church, it's always more. More commitment, more forgiving, more love, more selflessness. Some of you may say, well, we need to be like the early church. That's right. We need to be like the early church in, in, in the sense that you may say, we don't have to give the 10 or the 17. Well, what did the early church give? Acts 9. Sorry, Acts 2.44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So they gave, they gave everything. That's what the early church did. They gave everything. You see, now we have a much better motivator than guilt will ever be. And it's gratitude. You see, gratitude is such a, a more powerful motivator than guilt will ever be. You see, just to be clear, the New Testament giver, being a New Testament giver really means give it all. That's why we say here that the tithe is a good starting point for us. So I want to kind of move away from this whole idea because I could spend 30 minutes explaining why tithing is biblical and applicable to our present period of time. I could explain to you why Malachi 3 says that if we don't tithe, we're robbing God. And that in fact, if we don't tithe, that we are robbing ourselves of a blessing that God will give us that will be so plentiful that we won't even be able to contain it. I could tell you that Jesus speaks more about money than almost anything else in the scripture, but I want to approach it this way. You see, one of the things that I've said before here is that, is that if, if you walk away from any message, if you walk away on a Sunday with a heavier burden than the one that you brought in, I haven't done my job. Like, I don't want you to walk away like, oh man, I got all these problems and now on top of everything, now I have to tithe. I don't want you to walk away that way. If you walk away that way, I have not done my job. I have not preached the gospel. Because generosity is not an obligation. It can't be an obligation. It is a privilege. It has to be a privilege. In fact, generosity is not even a money thing. Listen to this. Generosity is not even a money thing. It is a heart thing. You see, here's what God does over and over again in our lives. He does this over and over again. He's after your heart. He's seeking after your heart. This is what the whole Bible is about. He's, it, it's God pursuing your heart. That's why he allows things to happen in your life. Good, bad, whatever. He wants your heart but we have to give up our hearts voluntarily and he will use things he'll use situations he'll use people he'll use circumstances he'll use an addiction in your life he'll use unforgiveness in your life a sin all of these things that he could just take away at will whenever he wants he could just take those away but he'll wait you out because you have to give these things up voluntarily and the result of you giving them up isn't that he gets the thing that you're giving him he gets the part of your heart that you're holding back that's true for everything. 
This is not a matter of salvation. It's a matter of full surrender. See, here's the thing. The reason why Jesus talks so much about money is not because he wants our money. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want my money. He has everything. It'd be almost like my son thinking that I want his money because I'm teaching him about finance. I'm like, he's got no money. And all the money that he has, I gave it to him, by the way. (laughs) Same is true with us. You know, he has everything. And everything that we have, we have received from him. He doesn't need our money. We don't need your money. The church doesn't need the money. He's after one thing. One thing. Your heart. And the reason why Jesus talks so much about money is simply this. It's the verse in Luke that we just read. Luke 12, 34 says, For where your treasure is, listen to this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is mysterious. I don't know exactly how it works, but there is a link between your heart and your finances. In other words, there's like this door to your heart that can only be accessed through your finances. You see, God doesn't want or need our money. God doesn't want, you see, God, He doesn't want or need your money. He doesn't. He doesn't. Let's just make that very clear. What He wants is hearts that are fully surrendered to Him. That's it. That's it. And you can't be fully surrendered to God if you have not surrendered to Him your finances. You see, for our family, I feel weird about sharing this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it and I'm going to explain why. The biggest check that we write every month after our housing is our tithe. We have, a, we have a family in Chile that we help every month. We have an adoptive daughter in Kenya that we help every month. We gave a, a generous check for our Christmas offering. And the only reason why I'm sharing that is because we can't, as leadership, staff, elders, pastor, we can't expect for any of you to be doing something that we're not doing. We've talked about this before. Be what you want to see. You see, giving is a spiritual act of faith. And money is a strange one because it's different than anything else. You see, what you're doing, what I'm doing, is we're letting go of control. You're saying, I have no fear because I know where it's going. And you may say, Pastor, I don't know where it's going because I don't have control over what you guys do with the money that I give to the church. Let me answer that real quick. I'm responsible to give to God. Our elders are responsible to do before God what, they, what the right thing to do with the money is. I will give an account, me, I will give an account before God for giving him my finances and the elders will give an account before God to do the right thing with it. You see, the whole thing is about letting go of control. It's a really, it's an, it's an act of faith. Malachi chapter 3 says, test me on this, which is probably the only part of scripture where, where God invites his followers to test him. See if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll have no room to contain it. It's the only place where God asks to be tested. So I want to challenge you this morning to test God. I mean, if, you have, if, you're not a, if you're not a tither, if you're not a giver, I want to invite you to test God. I've heard so many stories of people taking a step of faith and, and God just blessing them. Like even when they didn't have, like, I don't know if I have enough and then you give and then there's a blessing. Now, I don't want to make 
doctrine out of a personal experience because I don't think that's a good idea. But I will guarantee that if you talk to people in our church, and I feel like I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are so generous, but, but if you talk to people that have tithed and that are tithers and you ask them to, for them to tell you their stories, you'll hear the same story over and over and over again. It's like I gave and then God blessed me. Sometimes financially, sometimes in other ways. But it's just this pattern that you see over the years, over and over again. Once you start, you're able to experience blessings like never before. So I want to encourage you to take the, ne- to take the next step this morning. If, you, if you're not a giver, I want to invite you to, to give an offering today. Today we're doing a special Christmas offering. If you're an occasional giver, I want you to become a regular giver. If you're a regular giver, maybe today is your next step is to become a tither. You see, generosity is our privilege. And I'm going to end with this. I want to, I want to leave you with this image. This image, this image is always helpful to me. So, say that you're going through something, or you're having a hard time with something, or God's challenging you with something, or God's, God's asking you to take a step of faith. Let's just say it's finances. Just, today, we're talking about finances. So let's say it's finances. So let's say that, that in your hand, right here, in your hand, you have the money... And it could be money, it could be anything. It could be a struggle that you're going through. It could be um, an insecurity. It could be a sin. It could be whatever it is. But let's just say that it's, it's the step of faith right here. You have it in your hand and you're holding on to it. And God's asking you to, to take a step. And he's, and he's pursuing you to take this step. And, and you think that the, the reason why God doesn't have the thing that you have in your hand is because you're holding on to it so tight. But the thing is that, that that just shows that your image of God is very small. Because God can take what you have in your hand any time that he wants. He can take it at will. He can take it now. And so what he's calling you to do this morning, as maybe you're, you're taking the step and you're reluctantly sort of like opening up your hand. Let's say you just little by little like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. Should I do this? Should I not do it? Should I do it? And then all of a sudden you open your hand and you give it up to God, here's what happens. You may think that what you just did is give to God what he did not have before. But the truth is, he could have always taken it at will. But what you just did now, as you open your hand, is to give God the part of your heart that you were holding back. You see, this is true with finances. This is true with commitment. This is true with forgiveness. This is true with every area of your life. If I were to sum up the Christian walk, it's a bunch of these. It's a bunch of these. It's a bunch of these. And I don't know what it is for you right now. If it's not financial, if you're a huge giver, God bless you. But maybe there's something in your life right now that you're holding back. And he's calling you to open your hand. You see, you're not holding anything back from God. Because God has everything, and He created everything, and He has all the power. But the one thing that we have that we can hold back from God is our hearts. And God wants hearts that are fully surrendered to God. And we cannot have a heart that is fully surrendered to God if we have not surrendered to God our finances. And so that's the message for this morning. Maybe it was awkward for you. 
I feel pretty good. Yeah. You know? And this is not guilt. Here's the thing. I promise you, I, we said last week that we're under budget. We, or we said it a couple of weeks, and it's true. COVID has hit us financially. But I, wanna, I wish I could open my heart and you could see my heart right now. We don't need your money. We don't. I promise you that we don't. Because we trust not in your finances. We trust in God who has always provided for us. This is so important for you to understand. And I hope this frees you. I hope this frees you because we, us pastors, sometimes we have such a bad rap when, when it comes to money. I think that's why it gets tense a little bit too. And I feel a little, a little weird about it sometimes too because I feel like some of you are thinking, ah, here comes the pastor again talking about money. I promise you, I promise you, if God wants to take away all of our money and I'm preaching the word and we're doing the right thing, so be it. If he blesses us and he opens the floodgates and we have so much money that, can't, that we can't even handle, we'll take it. But here's the thing. We're just going to walk and do the right thing. And I'm going to preach the full counsel of God. And so I hope you walk away today not feeling, oh man, now I feel so bad because I haven't been given enough. No. If it's guilt, I don't want it. You shouldn't give. If it's guilt-driven, it shouldn't give. You shouldn't give. If it's, if it's as a result of gratitude toward what God has done for you, and through you, then you should give because that's what it means to be a joyful giver. If you're giving without joy, I don't want you to give. God doesn't want you to give. But if if it's with a joyful heart, knowing that everything that we have comes from God, then that's the right heart. And that's true in every area of our lives. So I want us to take a moment here and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes here. I'm going to say a few things and then we're going to pray. You see, because maybe you're here this morning and you're having trouble with this. Maybe finances is a, is a hard thing that you're going through as a family. Maybe your income is suffering. Maybe you're in debt. And you're thinking, how could I even think of taking this step, step of faith? So I want to encourage you this morning to listen to God to understand that this is not about money. It's about your heart. And when you understand that God is the source of everything, every breath is a gift from God, every dollar is a gift from God, everything that we have we've received, that this will be something that will motivate you to understand that there's a doorway into your heart that can be accessed through your finances. Jesus preached so many times in the New Testament because where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. So I want to invite you this morning, if you're not a giver, to start giving. If you're a sporadic giver, to start giving regularly. If you're giving regularly, to start tithing. Just take your next step, whatever that is. Lord God, we thank you for these moments that we share this morning. Thank you for your love and your mercy. And thank you, Lord, because you've provided for us, God. And I want to pray this morning specifically for those who who just can't give. I pray that you'll provide for them. And if there's a person here who truly just, there's just no way. There's absolutely no way. But their heart's in the right place. They want to give. That you will do something this week in their lives that will prove 
who you are, God. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.